and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 36th episode of the podcast for the week of January 14th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back San Diego-based professional astrologer, feng shui advisor, and host of Simone Says, Simone Butler, to join me on the podcast in a discussion on the lunar eclipse in Leo and the sun meeting Uranus. Now, before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So I thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 a month, consider signing up for my Patreon. You can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have recently put up a tip jar on my uh, homepage at energeticprinciples.com. So if you're not one of those people that like subscriptions or, you know, renewing money uh, commitments, then, and you want to contribute, consider signing, uh, going to my tip jar, and that will take you directly to PayPal. Um, And anything counts and is greatly appreciated. All right, so let's get started. All right, so this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week continuing along in her waxing cycle as we push off the first quarter moon and start the week in the stabilizing Earth of Taurus. Luna will then cruise through the sign of the bowl until moving into communicative Gemini on Wednesday. She will hang out in this airy zone until late Friday when she then will move into the cardinal waters of Cancer and where she'll be for most of the weekend until she just scoots right into Leo late Sunday night and for an immediate lunar eclipse at zero degrees Leo. Now, just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, you're gonna wanna add about 17 hours basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, or otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, folks. Well, we are in for a potentially shocking yet liberating week ahead of us uh, with the sun squaring Uranus right before we have our final lunar eclipse in the Leo-Aquarius axis. We also have Venus squaring Neptune, Mercury conjuncting Pluto, and Mars waxing towards uh, next Monday's Saturn square. So this is bound to be an active and potentially story-changing week in many ways as we push forward. 
So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we have the moon is, uh, at least here on the Pacific coast, the moon is in Aries, uh, but then we'll move to Taurus around uh, mid-morning here on uh, PST time. And along the way, she will make a conjunction to Uranus on Monday. And also of note, we have Mercury, who is making a sextile to Neptune. So Mercury, how we process our information, uh, communications, um, emails, you know, what it is that we are learning and and taking in information-wise, is meeting Neptune. And Neptune uh, can bring a lot of spiritual inspiration our way. It can also bring some disillusion or maybe confusion or possibly doubt. But this is a sextile. So there is an opportunity there, but it is one that we have to walk through the door in order to access. And so we're probably actually feeling this a lot through the weekend prior before, uh, you know, this podcast airs because it happens so early on Monday. But basically the two of these meeting here is uh, really stimulating the imagination and we are more sensitive to the subtleties that are around us. And perhaps we start daydreaming on our goals and our ambitions, or we kind of see the avenues that we can work through, uh, through this kind of psychic lens because we are essentially intuiting what we can make a tangible reality, particularly with Mercury now in Capricorn because Mercury is uh, is putting this Neptunian um, influence through a very practical uh, filter. And so basically that the senses can actually help to cut through that fog to know things that may not be able to be seen because uh, Neptune brings the fog but Mercury is is looking for the practicality in that and so normally this would obscure clarity in some way but really that practical Mercury and cap is probably better apt to handle Neptune's influence uh, in a productive way or at least to pair you know tangible um, results with that kind of imaginative and inspirational vibe. And so don't be surprised if your mind is, uh, you know, looking out there or connected to the spirit, uh, spiritual self in some way where you're looking beyond the veil. And so the bottom line for Monday is, is that we go from fiery to grounded as Luna moves from Aries to Taurus early on in the day. And we're likely to get a taste of the upcoming Sun Uranus square as Luna crosses over the Great Awakener, uh, making this day quite an eye opener in the realization department. So that can be coming from Neptune as well. And uh, I'll be talking about the Sun Uranus square here in a second. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, and so basically with Mercury con- uh, making that connection with Neptune, we are kind of spiritually tuned in. So, you know, really open yourself to whatever signs of awareness are trying to come through at this time uh, because they might be dictating the course of the week to come. All right, so on Tuesday, the moon is still in Taurus, and she will make a trine to Saturn, a sextile to Neptune, and then a trine to Mercury. And so really, actually, that Neptune-Mercury sextile will definitely be active on Tuesday as well as uh, the moon kind of hits these points. Uh, But the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that we are stabilizing and getting things done with a practical approach to each move we make. That's the beauty of the Taurus moon. It helps us take one step at a time. 
And so the long term is likely on our minds with that trying to Saturn, and we are inspired to make moves towards whatever duty lies before us. This is an excellent day to conduct business and to make transactions, as well as discussing practical and earth-oriented matters. We may be feeling a little cautious with our approach, because that's kind of a Taurus will approach things rather cautiously, and especially with Mercury also in Capricorn now. Um, But, you know, we have what it takes to push projects forward and make moves towards greater security. So even if we're a little cautious and moving a little slower, that's going to help us in the long run because we are pushing things forward at a steady pace. Now, on Wednesday, we have the moon in Taurus, and she will move into Gemini uh, around 5 p.m. here uh, on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she'll make a very early morning trine to Pluto and then a trine to the sun. And so once again, there is no exact aspect happening um, planetary-wise. We have a lot of action happening later in the week. But on Wednesday, the bottom line is that we have a harmonious day here when the luminaries are flowing well together. And that can really help to uh, push things along in the tangible realm. And so the night may be rather chatty and a little restless once Luna moves into Gemini, because that's what happens. You know, we go from the steady Taurus to this kind of like, I wouldn't say all over the place Gemini, but you know, that that focus starts to scatter a bit. Um, you know, so embrace the energy and a good way to do so would be maybe to have some fun and games with some friends or some loved ones because Gemini loves to play games. Um, so if we're feeling good and, you know, we're feeling a little restless and want to have fun, uh, a game night could be a great thing on Wednesday. Now, Thursday, we have the moon in Gemini, and uh, she will make an opposition to Venus, a sextile to Mars, a square to Neptune, and then an opposition to Jupiter. And so the bottom line for Thursday is, is that really Sunday's Venus-Neptune square is getting activated uh, here on Thursday, with Luna making the challenge, you know, challenging that upcoming tension between these two planetary energies, because uh, that moon in Gemini will square Neptune um, and make that opposition to Venus. So we are activating that transit. So hold space for this Thursday before I get to define that transit a little bit more here uh, in a few minutes. And so with tomorrow's slew of transits brewing, because like I said, that weekend is active, I have a feeling that this is likely to be an active day as well and potentially restless as our emotions filter through our mental processes because the moon is in Gemini. So try not to overthink things, especially if you find yourself becoming stressed over thoughts because we are pushing forward and our intellect is seeking to merge with our emotional selves. So do what you can to get them on the same page. Now, on Friday, the moon is in Gemini, but will move to Cancer later on in the evening. And along the way, uh, she will make a sextile to Uranus. And so Friday, what is not happening on Friday is the question. (laughs) There is a lot going on. We have Venus making a trine to Mars. We have Mercury making a conjunction to Pluto. We have the sun making the square to Uranus. And also, if you follow Chiron, which I like to do, the sun is also making a sextile to Chiron that day. Uh, So let's get into these transits. Well, Venus trying Mars. You know, Venus is about our relationship style, how we relate to other people, what we open up to, how we are, you know, balancing and harmonizing our lives. 
And then Mars is about focused action and our drive and how we direct our motivation. Uh, it can also be male figures, where Venus is more of that female figure. Uh, Mars also can do with, you know, when we're aggressive, but also when we're assertive. And there's a difference between those two things. And so basically, these are trining together, and trines are sudden, they're flowing, they rapidly develop things, and they remove all obstacles that were in the way. And so with these two meeting together, uh, you know, we're kind of going after what we want right now. We have our male and female sides are working together in harmony, and we're, it's almost like we're on the same page with ourselves, especially personal planet-wise. This is also a day if you have to be direct with someone, um, you can kind of ease that blow because the that Venusian charm will be in place and working well with your action self, which is that Mars. This can also really stimulate the sex drive and attraction to things. And so we might be fired up this at this time, especially since these are trining in fire signs. Venus is in Sagittarius and Mars is in Aries. So we're likely to feel that fire flowing. Um, and that may take place uh, in, a very, in a physical way, you know. So if you find yourself attracted to things at this time, do not be surprised because uh, those states of awareness are flowing well together. Now, Mercury conjunct Pluto is another very interesting. These are all interesting to be paired together. So I want you guys to use your imagination as I uh, put to put these influences out before you and see how you pair them all together, because I think it's rather fascinating. So Mercury conjunct Pluto, once again, Mercury, it's that information, it's that uh, perception of things, how we reason and how we use our logic, um, and also uh, what information comes in, news, emails, phone calls, texts, all those types of things. Um, and it's making a conjunction with Pluto. Conjunctions are when we start a new cycle and when the two energies merge together to become one. And so what is Mercury, our messenger merging with, say that three times fast, uh, is Pluto. And Pluto taps into our deep instinctual emotions uh, it, because it wants to purify things and transform the energy. And a lot of times it, uh, you know, helps facilitate things or rather situations of great change. And so these meeting together um, in the cardinal earth sign of Capricorn, really there's a lot of intense mental activity that can go on right now. Um, we might find ourselves uh, needing to get to the bottom of something if we need to research or investigate um, uh, some type of probably like more of a goal-orientated or something that we're putting our ambitions into uh, or something we're investigating that's of the earthly realm, something tangible that we can touch. Um, and it's also, so we might be researching, but at the same time, there's an other side of research and that's, you know, mental compulsion, especially when we obsess over things. So there could be a fine line between getting down to the bottom of something and then finding ourselves in kind of like more of a, a mentally obsessive state um, where we're more inclined to really fixate on a matter, which can be good if we really need to get in there. So you know what that means for you. Uh, and also, if we really need to persuade someone of something, uh, because there is that persuasive vibe to Pluto, um, we may be able to state our case very well and, you know, 
basically kind of talk someone into coming over to our side. But that's within reason, of course, because we got to realize, you know, what the consequence is later if we try to, you know, (laughs) uh, manipulate people in any way through our words and conversations. Also of note, and and really tying into this eclipse energy, the sun square Uranus, uh, Venus about to square Neptune, this can be a time where we need to have a deep and penetrating conversation about something, um, or news comes our way that is is very impactful in our lives. So do not be surprised if things get rather deep on Friday or the days surrounding. Now, with the sun square Uranus, the sun, that's our vitality, our life force, you know, our conscious awareness and the spotlight that just lights things up once we're like, oh, okay, now I see it. (laughs) Um, And a lot of times sun transits, and when I mean a lot of times, I mean most often, it's turning a page of some sort. And so... A square to Uranus, you know, squares are tension, action, challenges when events are kicked into motion. We push forward with squares. And so where is this conscious awareness pushing forward? Where's the page turning? Well, this is around an awakening that's probably coming to us at this time, or there is going to be a need to liberate or free ourselves from some sort of influence, whether that's something outside of us or uh, possibly our own internal influence. You'll know what that means for you. But it's also quite fair to say that we can really expect the unexpected this week, and particularly at the end of the week, with this aspect taking place and also, you know, that eclipse energy. So... You know, this is really one of the times of the year where things get shaken up a bit, uh, and it can be a little disruptive or shocking in some way. And so we want to prepare ourselves for that um, because in, in some way, consciousness is basically trying to free ourselves from some sort of influence, whether we like it or not, because that's the thing. I, when I think of Uranus, I like to think of the Tower card a lot, even though I know that's ruled by Mars as far as tarot and astrology are concerned. But, you know, you see that tower that's on fire, people are jumping out of the building, and that thing's about to collapse. And that's very Uranian energy. You know, the bottom drops out for whatever reason. And well, usually there's a reason. And that reason is partially because Uranus wants to awaken us and raise us up to the next level and and, and have us vibrate higher. But that can be... That can be really disruptful, disruptful, I don't think that's a word, (laughs) disruptive to our lives, Um, especially if we try to hold on to something. But, you know, if you're feeling restricted in some way, this influence can really drive you nuts because you'll want to rebel. You'll want to free yourself from it. And, you know, sometimes we have situations where we don't have the luxury to do so. So you'll have to use this uh, transit with your own discretion. But we will want to kind of have our space and have our freedom there. And so that can make it hard to deal with others, you know, or, or just things... That can make it hard to deal if you're a very fixed personality and things just change and you're like, that's not the plan, (laughs) you know? So basically routines are changing and that could be the day-to-day what we experience uh, here on the weekend, but really our, uh, you know, changes that are being pushed forward at this time uh, that are going to be carried out going further, And because Uranus is a planet of very fast action, things might come in rather fast. Um, And 
the tension will raise the consciousness when it's all said and done, but in the moment that can feel like things are rushing and it's like, ah. Um, and speaking of rushing, we also want to be prepared for such things as accidents because uh, Uranian energy, if we're not careful and we push too fast or too far, too fast, too soon, you know, this can have like a more of an accident type of situation, especially with Mars about to square Saturn at the beginning of next week. And so basically, you know, we're just feeling a bit restless, a bit wild, and we're ready to do our own thing. So if you do need to free yourself from uh, an influence, this is kind of where we are breaking through those chains. Now, just a quick note about that sun uh, in, in a sextile formation to Chiron. You know, I think that there is an opportunity to take the wisdom that we've gained um, and possibly change a painful situation uh, into a better situation or to release from that pain in order to move forward. And, you know, paired that with Uranus, if Uranus wants to shake things up to rise the vibration— um, Perhaps that, you know, those old wounds or those things that have held us back or those little thorns in our side are part of that release. And it's also possible that something on ice emotionally is thawing out now and we'll need to address that. So just a a heads up with that Chiron influence. So the bottom line for Friday is is that this is likely to be a turning of the page kind of day as we are apexing towards the eclipse and the moon in Gemini is partnering with ruler Mercury and the messenger's conjunction to Pluto. So, you know, we have this moon in Gemini who is kind of filtering itself through this Mercury-Pluto conjunction. And so this may be a day with serious conversations or mental dialogue taking place. The mind is getting serious uh, and is ready to change some things. And really, the goal is to be awake and to liberate ourselves from some force. And luckily, Luna's sextile to Uranus during the day will help us emotionally align with all the quakes that are happening within or without. (laughs) It could be on inside, outside, or both. Now, on Saturday, the moon is in Cancer and will square Mars, oppose Saturn, and trine Neptune. Now, that sounds like a party now, doesn't it? (laughs) And so we don't have any exact transits taking place that day. But, you know, we're in between these major things happening. So you can just consider it all one influence together. And so the bottom line for Saturday is is that the energy is still building and can be emotionally challenging with that square to Mars in the opposition to Saturn. The sun is also at the critical degree of Capricorn before our solar awareness moves into Aquarius. So we may be tested on our Capricornian lessons and all we've decided over the past 30 days. Because if we come to conclusions and all of a sudden it's kind of go point or that tested point, we may pull back or, you know, feel a little shy about it. But we're being tested on what it is we've come to uh, as far as Capricorn season is concerned. And so we may feel a little challenged or blocked in some way, or as if we are up against something, or it could be that it is necessary to get serious and push ahead on a rather challenging goal, particularly since Mars and Saturn will square each other next Monday. This is likely a day that will highlight that tension. There may also be a defensive nature to the day as Cancer is naturally very protective, and the square to Mars will heighten that. Once Luna trines Neptune later in the day, it'll be time to accept what is and go with the flow, with the potential for finding inspiration along the way. 
Now on Sunday, the moon is in Cancer, but will then make her lunar eclipse, total lunar eclipse, in Leo, which will be happening at 9.16 p.m. here on the Pacific coast. That is when our eclipse is exact. And so the moon on Sunday will make an opposition to Pluto and an opposition to Mercury, since they are conjunct. We'll make a square to Uranus in opposition to the sun. So, wow, we've got a Sunday is, is something here. And so, of note that day, we have the sun moving into Aquarius. We also have Venus squaring Neptune. And we have that lunar eclipse, of course. And so, the sun moving into Aquarius, I encourage you to check out last week's episode um, or stay tuned for the talk with Simone later because both segments address this Aquarian energy. So, rather than going into it for the for the 15th time, I'm going to leave this segment for you to check out in, in those. Now, Venus square Neptune, once again, Venus is that relationship quality, uh, what we open up to and how we kind of balance and harmonize things. And so it's receiving a square, which we know is challenge, tension, action, events taking place, to Neptune. And Neptune is a tricky planet. Neptune has to deal with the the removal of boundaries in a situation or the dissolution of something where something dissolves or where we might be doubtful or confused about something. Or we could possibly be feeling a little bit lost. Um, But there is that spiritual inspiration there. We can look to that guiding star. And so really, when these two meet together, there's a couple things that can happen. There can be, you know, romance and relationships can take on a more fantasy or imaginative vibe because we might have our rose-colored glasses on or we might be confronted with the fact that we have a bit of rose-colored glasses on, especially if we find ourselves maybe disappointed by ideals that we are holding in relationships that are not being met. So, you know, especially Venus in... Sagittarius, what is it that we believe about relationships? So that might be challenged at this time because those ideals might not necessarily hold weight. And that's where we get our rose-colored glasses. And so, you know, we may not want to deal with the reality of it all. And there could be a tension or challenge to surrender or surrender to a relationship or possibly dissolve it. It depends on where your relationship's at. So I don't want to say all relationships are falling apart this week. Not in the case at all. But depending on where you are at, especially with a lunar eclipse, there can be that um, deciding factor taking place. And so if the relationship does go at this time, you know, just know that it's it's better for you both in the end. Um, and so, and that's okay so to let it dissolve and, and pass. Um, but, you know, there's an extra added bonus to this energy, especially if you're a creative type. And, you know, we're all creative types, If I think. You know, some maybe more easily than others. But, you know, if you do have that artistic tendency, um there is going to be a lot of stimulation in this zone. So this can be an eventful transit if you uh, want to create something or find that inspiration or push that inspiration forward. Um, And if you do encounter, you know, any sort of heartbreak or disappointment, as I talked about earlier, actually art therapy would be a wonderful way to kind of transmute that energy and to let your feelings flow. Because I can't tell you how many songs have been written, uh, not only by myself, but many musicians out there, when we are feeling these, uh, you know, disappointments or heartbreaks or, you know, 
Well, you know, I'm not going any further. Okay, <laughs> lunar eclipse. So we have the lunar eclipse at zero degrees Leo. And, you know, most of what I've talked about here you'll basically get the vibe of the eclipse. So basically every single aspect I've talked about so far is factoring into this eclipse for the most part. And plus, Simone and I will be talking about it later in the program. Um, So stay tuned for that. And also, April Elliott Kent was on two episodes ago when we did our Astrology of 2019 show. And she talked about the eclipses, gave a rundown of the eclipses for the year. Uh, And she's a bit of an eclipse expert. So I uh, welcome you to check that out to help add some interpretation there. I will also have my detailed blog article up on my energeticprinciples.com astro blog. So be sure to sign up for my mailing list if you want to have that sent straight to your inbox. That is on the front page of my website. You can also... You can also sign up for my moon horoscopes that I do on Patreon, which is $3 a month. So you can get early access to the podcast by also getting a little horoscope sent your way with an animal ambassador of your very own for each lunation. Uh, So you can check that out at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So the bottom line for Sunday is that the tides are turning as we spend most of the day in the sensitive tenderness of cancer before encountering our zero-degree eclipse later in the evening or early in the morning here in America. It depends on where you are. Luna's opposition to Pluto and Uranus is pushing us into new awareness that can be unexpected and rather stimulating, yet also restless with the desire for greater freedom. Relationships may get pushed to the next level, whether you know, whatever level that is appropriate for that partnership in particular. And it may feel a little bit like a weird day because we have the sun at zero degrees Aquarius and the eclipse energy takes place at that zero degrees. So basically just hold space to protect what you already know and then follow your heart each step of the way because this is eclipse in Leo. So to really wrap that up, and I know this segment is longer than most uh, this week because we have a lot going on. Uh, so, you know, we have a heck of a week before us, uh, especially as Capricorn season closes and we move into the future with Aquarius. We can expect the unexpected while also honoring the liberating forces that are rising within. So let this eclipse vortex take you to the next level. right, so let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra dimension to what we're talking about here. And so this week I drew the Ace of Pentacles as the focus and the Two of Wands as the grounding. And I really like these cards together. It got me excited for the week. So now with the Ace of Pentacles as the focus, we are becoming aware of the fertile ground that is before us with new beginnings and opportunities showing up in regards to our work life, our investments, our finances, and any type of tangible acquisition. And as this is a yin element, chances are the opportunity comes to us rather than we are going out in search of it. And so it may be time to bring a new project into manifestation as this this card bodes well for prosperous new starts. Now, with this two of wands as the grounding, the new that we are bringing into manifestation is based on our own decided ambitions as our aspirations fire us up to push us further beyond. This card also reinforces early success in whatever is starting up, with thoughts of greatness helping us to architect what we are inspired to move forward towards. And since there is already an air of success, these new ambitions may be playing off of successes already built. 
So you may be building upon something here. And it's also possible that you're waiting to hear back on a decision about something that affects the potential of the new project or the job getting off the ground. But both cards bode well for positive beginnings and forward momentum. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the shark. This mighty beast of the water is asking us to expose our natures this week by revealing our true selves. If you have a desire that has been wanting to come out or waiting to come out into the open, now is the time to let that truth be known. If we keep it underwater, then that beast will haunt us. You know, that sh- the fin will be circling around. And that can cause tension in our lives uh, with that energy lurking beneath us. So it's important to be honest this week in regards to yourself, your desires, and your needs. If you go on pretending nothing is wrong, you'll still feel encircled by that elephant, (laughs) or should I say shark, in the room. So, you know, let it go, trust your honest instinct, and directly address whatever it is that is needing exposure at this time. All right, so if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how we'll interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. This is the highest level I currently have at $6 a month. And basically, I do a custom card spread each week where you get to pull your own cards to pair them with the transits that I speak of. And so last week, we worked on conscious regeneration. And this week, we are going to be working on liberating forces. So if you want to check out uh, a freebie spread and to find out more, you can do so on patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome this week's special guest, Simone Butler. Thank you for joining me on the podcast again. Well, thanks for having me back, Mel. Well, I love Simone. She is another uh, fellow San Diegan here, and she is also on the board of the San Diego Astrological Society. I've been handpicking all of us this early in January because, you know, we're just a good we're a good group, and we're actually preparing a lot of this early. Uh, uh, transits right now for a presentation that we're going to be doing um, at the end of this week, but you're going to be hearing that after it's over. So disregard <laughs> that. Right. Uh, yes. But before we get started here, because Simone's joined me, uh, you joined me back in the summer of 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so if you haven't heard that, I would like Simone to give a little background before we get started here. Background on me? Yeah, on you. It's all, oh. all eyes on you, girl. <laughs> Because I can't remember anything that happened last summer. <laughs> Most of us want to forget, probably. <laughs> Mars retrograde, good God. Yeah. And, um, about me, I have been practicing astrology since the early 80s uh, when I was living in LA and there was just such a, a, a burgeoning metaphysical atmosphere at that time. And and I, it, astrology just sort of grabbed hold of me and, and never let go. And uh, I, have, I have a website, astroalchemy.com. I've written two books, Astro Feng Shui and Moon Power. And I have a Patreon show, just like you do, which is called Simone Says, S-E-Z, 
And I do a show and written forecast every week. And I speak, I teach, I do all that fun stuff that most astrologers do. <laughs> I love it. And Simona has plenty to share. And I am a subscriber to her weekly uh, forecast that she does. And you just have a wonderful take on things. I love the backgrounds you use for your videos. It's, it's <laughs> super fun. And actually, if you remember uh, back in the day, I remember these growing up and I just always t- try to talk my mom into buying them at the store for me with the star scrolls because yeah. you used to do work there too, if people remember that. Oh yeah. For like 19 years, I did one thing or another. I was on the phone lines back when you know the psychic hotlines were the big thing. And uh, doing readings, you know, just boom, boom, boom. And then I also worked in the office of the Star Scroll, uh, writing and editing the scroll until they went out of business in 2008, which just grieved me so. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, 2008, that was the hell of a year where things were changing all over the yeah. place. So, um, and I almost feel like we're, we're, we're getting to that point again, these like big <laughs> changes or, you know, kind of reckonings that are taking place um, as things are, life is just shifting. And we're going to be talking about this week. Um, it's so funny because last week I jumped way ahead of the gun. I'm talking about Aquarius season. It's halfway through Capricorn season. My mind was just in the stars, but in the future. Because <laughs> there's so much going on at the beginning of January here. Like, how do we keep up with it all? Um, but Simone and I are going to be talking about, uh, the lunar eclipse in Leo that will be taking place. Um, and really how that's tying in a lot with the sun meeting Uranus this week as well. They are pairing together and there's just a lot of transits taking place that are going to be pushing things forward, but also resolving things in a lot of ways, uh, I think. But before we get started here about that topic, I mean, we, we're taping this a little early, so we just went through the, the uh, eclipse, the solar eclipse. So I'm just wondering, Simone, have you noticed anything with this solar eclipse? Or I mean, what's your own experience been like? Oh, well, you know, this is always a busy time of the year for me because everybody wants their New Year's reading to find out what the hell 2019 might have But it feels to me like the pressure, the intensity is much stronger than usual ever since the eclipse. And there is a kind of urgency is maybe the best word that I could use that I have felt and that everybody seems to be feeling that I've talked to clients and friends ever since that January 5th um, solar eclipse, which of course was pretty darn near Saturn. Yeah. Right? And Mm -hmm. Saturn, Saturn is very highly functional in its own sign right now. And so I think that eclipse was kind of like lighting a, a maybe wrong metaphor here because it's not fire, it's earth. But lighting a fire under us, we can say so with Mars having just gone into Aries and Uranus having just turned forward in Aries. So there is some fire going on. Maybe I'm feeling that as well. But it's really easy to overdo things right now. You know, I... um I'm having trouble sleeping mm. as my brain is uh, is going a thousand miles an hour and thinking about all I have to do and you know yeah I I totally feel you because I mean at the time of the eclipse like literally I had so much on my plate for that solar eclipse that 
I was struggling to finish it all. And I actually came to the stopping point, I want to say within an hour of the eclipse uh, perfecting. Like it, it, everything just culminated to that point. And so I feel you. It's like the workload, what I have been seemingly able to kind of juggle for how long is really starting to catch up with me. Um, and I think these are types of things that Capricorn wants us to address. It's like, okay, well, here's all everything that you've, uh, you know, committed to your, you know, these are, this was your goal, right? This, you made this your priority, right? Is it still working for you? And the fire is like, it's taking too long. I, you know, like I, cause I feel you too. Like with the, ever since Mars has been in Aries, Mars being my chart ruler, you know, I just, there's just an extra level uh, or like just under, I can't even have a word for it mother, other than like, ah, <laughs> you know, that's like going through my veins right now. And so how do you calm that? <laughs> Well, you know, the metaphor that I chose for my weekly show was um, for the energies right now, which are very push-pull, it was kind of, it's kind of like learning how to drive a stick shift. Everybody mm. has that sense memory of what that was like, you know, um, it's, it's tricky in the beginning. And I feel like the beginning of 2019 is kind of like that. We're learning how to get things into gear without stalling out Mm. Uh, because we're trying to balance all that fire with all that earth. And fire and earth is not, you know, an easy combination of elements at all. One can potentially balance the other. And that's what happens when you're correctly driving your stick shift far. But it takes some practice to get there. It does. I, I drive a stick shift myself and not many people can say that these days because yeah. uh, most cars are automatics, but it's true. Um, it, it's true. It's, and it can be daunting too, especially if you don't quite know how, because it is a delicate balance. And I think yeah. that's what we're learning here. And even with Venus, because now that Venus is in Sagittarius, when I think of Sagittarius, I think of like the temperance card and kind of that balancing of influences. And to use your, you know, your driving a stick metaphor, you have to have that exact, like, there is a sweet spot. And if you're not like doing it at the right time, like it, you'll just jolt about, you might stall. It just makes for an uncomfortable ride, right? Or this horrible <laughs> grinding sound. Oh, that's, once I got stuck on Laurel Street Hill, which you know, being a San Diego, yep. it's a very, very steep hill. And I was going up it in my stick shift car and there were cars in front of me and I got stuck in the middle and I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, manage the stick. And I actually just about burned out my transmission. Oh no. And I got rid of that car. No more stick shift for me ever again. It was <laughs> Matic. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's funny. Wow. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny. Well, you know, what's also funny is when I started driving a stick shift again, because my first car was a stick shift uh, many moons ago. Um, but when I got it again, I actually really enjoyed, here's like a flip side to it. I really enjoyed the power that yeah. was within the stick shift. Because that's the thing too, is it's like you really have that control. And I think that's what part of the season is about as well, is like gaining that control. Oh, that's such a good point. I love that because I do remember how fun it was to drive my various stick shift cars back in the day when I had several of them in a row. Because they really, I, I used to disdain automatics because they just seemed so wimpy. 
But then I was in my twenties and you know, yeah. I wanted a car that had power. Yes. Yes. So that's, I love that metaphor. That's, that works on many levels actually here. And so yeah. we are learning to drive that stick. Um, and then if we master it, then we have that power and that control uh, that can be very satisfying. And I think, I think that's a lot of what's going on here with as Capricorn season wraps up, because really most of this week is still in Capricorn season before we, we ink into, like slide into Aquarius uh, and then have a, a lunar eclipse. Right. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So what a way to start Aquarius season, right? Um, So, I mean, Simone, do you have any thoughts, uh, your own thoughts on Aquarius season, maybe just in general or this year in particular? Well, Aquarius is an interesting sign um, for me because to make this very personal, which I tend to do with five planets in Cancer, um, (laughs) happen to have Chiron in Aquarius and it's my really my only elevated planet. Everything else is below the horizon. So uh and it's exactly opposed my Mars and in fact this upcoming lunar eclipse that's on Sunday the 20th is going to be lighting up that Chiron Mars opposition. So you know I, I have a kind of push pull energy about Aquarius. Um, but I'm also a Sun-Uranus conjunction, so I'm sort of an honorary Aquarius in that regard. In that, I find it sometimes difficult, though, to balance the Aquarius, which is the, the equanimity and the detachment, um, with the fiery Mars, go get them, self-assertion. Mm-hmm. And so, at least as far as the um, lunar eclipse is concerned, I think it could be kind of a a tricky one on that level. We haven't really got into talking about all the stuff that's going on that weekend. But in general, um, the the only other observation I have about Aquarius season is it coincides with with one of the major Sabbaths, which is called Imbolc in the Celtic tradition. Imbolc actually means first milk. And it's, it's slamming season that begins around that time. It's the midpoint between winter and spring. And so I always celebrate that um, holy day with my priestess sisters. I do a lot of ritual and goddess type of work. And I found out years ago during my Chiron return um, that the holiday of Imbolc, the Sabbath, is actually, uh, it's the first weekend of February, by the way, is uh, it correlates with an ancient Isis festival that used to happen at that time as well. And I, I actually find, especially Chiron in Aquarius, which for anybody that was born between about 1955 and 1961, you have Chiron in Aquarius. You probably have a strong connection to Isis, whether you know it or not. And I've had several Isis initiations the most profound of which was during um, the Chiron return and happened the weekend, the first weekend or around the second and third is when it's strongest, the Imbolc or the ancient Isis festival. So it's a very holy time. I know we're not talking about that, um, that week right now. That's two weeks away, right? It is weekend. Hmm. 
Yeah, but we're prepping. We like to know in advance so that we know what's coming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just looking at that weekend and it's going to be a really powerful energy. Mars squares Pluto on the first. Ooh. Trines Uranus on the second. That's in bulk. Groundhog Day to you. Uh, Oh. Initiated. And then Mercury sextiles uh, Jupiter on the third. So it's... You know, I, th- I find it helpful to look at certain periods of time from that perspective that they're holy because people in ancient times really did, um, you know, a lot of inner work and a lot of celebration and connecting to spirit around this time. So I think, you know, and, and it eclipses. Mm. So this whole period from the eclipse through early February, I would like to frame as a very holy time. Yeah, I I think it will be that way. Uh, It's very much so if we allow it to be and we roll with this. If not, we might have a come to God type of moment (laughs) Uh, (laughs) with this type of energy, you know, Um, because it does have have that. But I like I like that point of like that there are these in-between points. It's not just about like the solstices and the equinoxes. Like you said, like the in-bulk is, is honoring that place between winter and spring, right? Um, so it just gives us something, like it's not all about the starts or the finishes. There's something about the in-between that is to be celebrated as well. Like just um, kind of almost the process. That's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately because my mind just tends to go to the end result or what I need to start and where it's going to finish, you know, those types of things. But there's so much to be said for the process in the middle um, and celebrating just the nature of the journey in general. Um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with bulk, but that's just what I got from what you were saying of that kind of in-between point. And there is, there's much to celebrate that is just kind of in, in the middle of everything and being involved in it. So yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm excited for Aquarius season just to get out of some dark Capricorn. (laughs) It could be a little bit much. It'll help uh, lift and detach a little bit here, I think. But, you know, it's going to actually really uh, juice up the the world sphere, the collective and, you know, society kind of issues as well. Because, you know, Simone and I are on the same page. We pay attention to what's going on in the world, right? Right. Yes. And so, I mean, do you have any thoughts on Aquarius season as far as that's concerned? Well, I just, it hasn't quite happened yet, of course, um, the sun moving into Aquarius, but I do, we're, we're in that period between two eclipses. And let's not forget that that's a very charged, very fraught period with, um, where in which a lot of things will tend to come to a head. I would be curious to see the chart of Sintoya Brown. That's her name, right? Brown? Uh, the uh, young woman who was just granted clemency. Oh, yes. For, uh, you know, when from she's been in prison ever since the age of 16 uh, for killing her abuser who was had forced her into pro- prostitution. And uh, the courts just finally granted her clemency and she's supposed to be released. Of course, not till August. and. For some reason, she has to sit in jail for another eight months. I don't know why. The wheels of justice grind slowly. <laughs> it's kind of big news. It's all over right now. Um, and it, it 
certainly goes hand in hand with the Me Too movement and all the changes that we have seen with women rising up and women being granted freedom. And in fact, right at the solar eclipse, I noticed that that was the time that uh, the women were protesting in India along the side of the road. I, I don't know the details of what exactly, what were they protesting? Do you know? I don't. I remember seeing things about it. Um, protests. Let me see. And also, and also that's when women, women took the house here in. Yes. Uh, and that all was happening right at the solar eclipse. Well, it looks like, yeah, I noticed that as well. Like the, I saw Nancy Pelosi back at the head of the house there. I saw how many women being uh, officially sworn in uh, to their positions and uh, in a variety of women in all shapes, sizes, colors, and, you know, dispositions. It, it's wonderful to see that. Um, yeah. And the women in India were uh, forming that human chain for equality is what they were just wanting to be treated equal. You know, there's a human rights issues, which is very much a, uh, an Aquarian type of thing. Yeah. yeah. But here's the other um, thing is that a, lun- or a solar eclipse, rather, is when the moon eclipses the sun. So in this case, the moon in Capricorn, which you're well acquainted with, that's the moon sign. Uh, the moon in, in Capricorn became um, on, on the ascendancy. And Women took power. You know, Mm. yes, it presages the coming Aquarian season, but I think it also really speaks to what a solar eclipse is about, in which the moon, you know, becomes recognized, especially in Capricorn, you know, and and women being sworn in and, and declaring solemn oaths. You know, how Capricorn is that? Yeah. No, I think it's absolutely perfect because I was talking last week uh, with Lisa about um, we were touching on things as, you know, uh, detriments and falls and kind of planetary condition. Um, And how I was talking about, especially with detriment, is that when the planet gets activated, there is some sort of change that has to take place. Like it can't uphold what it is. And I think this is one of those perfect examples to show that detriment is not necessarily detriment because Mm -hmm. the change is coming through the women gaining power you know the the moon it, it it's not like they're not the change is coming through through this through them actually taking that space um so that change is still here and it's not a detriment it's just literally manifesting the moon women capricorn power uh yeah, yeah and i think it's a wonderful thing and something that we desperately need uh because if we're going to do anything on like equal playing ground and like a, a level that temperance that I was talking about or that justice, we have to have even, you know, representation there. And so I think this is a big step. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. So we'll see. There's so much, <laughs> so much coming down the astro pipeline in the next couple of years. Um, but right now we're where we're at and where we are at is this lunar eclipse at zero degrees Leo, um, which Simone will be getting a nice taste of with her Mars right there. Yeah. And my Chiron. 
Yes. Opposing. Oh, that's right. Because we are talking about opposition here, you know, so we have the sun in Aquarius and then that, that Leo piece with the moon. Uh, and of course, so it makes our chart ruler with the moon and Leo makes it the sun. It just ping pongs right back to the sun there. Um, and so, I mean, do you have any first inclinations of what you think? You know, the sun is talking about detriments and, you know, not traditionally considered to be strong in the sign of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yet in the, when we have a lunar eclipse, the moon is being eclipsed by the sun. So the sun not being in the strongest sign that it can be in is cast into the starring role. And it happens on the same day, did you notice, as the Mars-Saturn square. Oh, yes. It's like Mars-Saturn square is like sneaking into Monday for us Pacific Coast people, but it is going to be very, like that's the exact, the whole weekend is going to be very much Mars-Square-Saturn. It's Monday morning, super But hey, I mean, and the full moon is at, is that evening? It's close. It's it's more than close enough. <laughs> Sunday, so Sunday evening through Monday morning is bound to be a very intense time. And as with all eclipses, you're going to feel it at least a week ahead of time, and maybe a week after. But um, but Mars to me, when Mars and Saturn get together, I think police. I think. Authority figures clamping down or attempting to clamp down. But with Aquarius, I think rebellion. You know, people are rebelling. I'm, uh, and with a full moon, especially an eclipse, if the moon's getting eclipsed, the women are getting eclipsed somehow. And because, you know, this is close to the nodal axis, which is now in, in late Cancer Capricorn, these are issues around children and nourishment. And I, I can't help but think about those poor children in those ice cold boxes. Three of them have died, I think, now at the border. And I'm wondering whether that issue is going to come to a head in some very extreme way or other similar issues around the world. Mm, yes, I, I think that we we are reaching that point. We should have already been at that point if we were talking shoulds here. Uh, yeah. but, but I think that, and I might've been talking about this on previous podcasts, but I think that has a, a, a little key piece of the Jupiter-Neptune square that is really still, is hovering over this space as well. Um, it, it hasn't exacted yet as we are talking <laughs> this over right now, right? Is that I am so far in the future nowadays I have to like pull it back to remember. Yes. So it'll have happened exactly by the time this airs. But as we talk about it now, it's still, uh, you know, waxing forward here to perfect that. And I think that has a lot to do with, and I've talked about this before, you know, because this is a migration issue. The reason those children are in the box to begin with, because it's not just about like the consequence that has happened and people's decisions in this horrible situation we're in. It's why we're in the situation. What is causing this? What is the overall uh, issue here? Um, And so I I definitely think there will be some coming to terms with that. Well, Venus Venus will be square Neptune. Venus and Sag square Neptune in Pisces right at the eclipse. 
even though, well, the, the Jupiter Neptune square actually already happened on the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But with Venus square Neptune, um, that kind of reactivates it. And to me, that's, that's pretty hazy and confused. And, you know, it, it kind of causes us because it's in Sagittarius Pisces, which both have to do with belief and faith. It may cause us to question what we believe and what's true. And, you know, there's bound to be a lot of fake news happening around that time or attempts to put forth fake news as real. Yeah, yes. Because there is definitely a, there's a wool over the eyes type of vibe going on now in many ways. I mean, as we're, as we're talking about this, we have like a government shutdown going on. I haven't even addressed that yet. <laughs> Those types of things. I know. And that is huge as well. Um, and maybe this will have something to do with that because if we think about it and go back to what you were saying, Simone, about bringing up the fact that the sun is in detriment in Aquarius, yeah. that actually does bring a little bit more power to that moon uh, being in Leo, even though it's being eclipsed. But also because the North Node, which is essentially kind of guiding this, you know, the collective energy there is just is represented by cancer and the moon. So I think there still is a strength that is there and hopefully it will can help these situations that where power is misusing its power and it's becoming rather clear. Yeah. So that's like the kind of the collective sphere, what you see right away. But I think in our own personal lives, there's going to be a lot going on with this, this full moon uh, because really one of the key pieces here is that the sun squares Uranus this week. Um, and what happens when the sun squares Uranus, Simone? <laughs> anything, anything. Well, it's a very electrical vibe, of course. And, and we can't forget that Uranus has just recently gone forward. So it's still in stationary direct mode, which gives it extra power. It's in the final couple of degrees now of Aries. Um, it'll stay there until I think early March when it, it goes into Taurus. So Uranus is essentially at the end of about a seven, seven to eight year um, phase in which it's been moving through Aries and stirring up trouble because we need trouble stirred up, you know, and complacency in a lot of ways. And wherever Uranus just turned direct in your chart, you're going at, which is around 28 degrees of Aries. I'm sure you're going to feel like a fire is being lit under you to get on with it. And maybe that means doing something you've been putting off doing for seven years or coming to the conclusion of it in which you're, you know, finally completing something uh, a personal thing, Aries, you know, a personal development issue, maybe an anger issue. Um, I don't know exactly. But the fact that when the sun in Capricorn squares Uranus, which is at a fairly volatile degree and placement right now, I certainly think the sun is going to bring... Um, extra energy to that. And also uh, Mercury joins Pluto on the same day. I know that is a pile up of energy uh, at the end of the week. Yeah. Yes. And well, that's the thing is I think the whole, the Mercury meeting Pluto, um, 
I, I think is really going to drive a lot of the sun square Uranus because the, the mind is going to you know, come to a point where either maybe it receives news of great change or it's aligning with something that has to be purified in life in some way. Uh, it could be where we have, where we are so focused on something and so obsessed over something, we have no choice but to kind of shake it up a little bit, especially if it's something that's been on our minds a long time. Um, because you're right, Simone, with the idea that it's, yeah, the sun squaring Uranus and things might shake up, but really Uranus has been in the sphere for a long time. So I think that what is kind of quaking is not anything that's necessarily new. Even if it's unexpected and it comes out of the blue and we're like, oh, I have to contend with this. You probably knew it was coming or you, you knew this is what's, what, you know, it's the step to what's needed. Because really the last kind of hurrah transit in my mind with Uranus is this square with the sun. And then when Mars meets it at 29 degrees here um, in what, probably like a month's time. I'm not sure the date right now, but we're, we're kind of, we're, we're really wrapping up these Uranus in Aries lessons on a very personal level, because like you said, it's a personal type of energy. You know, Aries is concerned with itself. What is the self doing? Um, so I think we're getting a key piece into, you know, where the self is shifting and what needs to be done in that realm now. <laughs> and maybe also the misuse of the self and the ego and, uh, you know, in terms of being self-righteous, and I won't name any names, but people <laughs> in power have been really abusing Aries and just steamrolling ahead with their own agenda. And now it's like uh, the you-know-what could hit the fan here around this this weekend because, uh, you know, sun square, you're honest. Woo, that's, you know, with sun and Capricorn. Yes. Pretty. And, you know, uh, it's an earth sign squaring Uranus in, an, in a fire sign. Again, those, those elements are not terribly friendly with each other. You know, earth wants stability. It wants more about following the rules in, in Capricorn. Uranus and Aries wants to break the rules. <laughs> that combined with the lunar eclipse and the Mercury-Pluto, I really think we're going to see some, some major events, yeah. uh, volatile events in the news for sure. It, it's, I would guarantee it. It's just that you don't get a lineup like this too often. Like <laughs> that's the thing is when you watch the planets, you see this and you're like, oh, wow. Oh wow! That is okay. This is really all all getting there, um, and it's interesting too. Just the way I mean, collectively, where we're noticing a theme, especially around uh, leadership in the world. I'm uh, having these more extreme views, and we're noticing you know things going to more right wing um, approaches, uh, and you know that really is. We like to think of Uranus as being this great innovator, which it can be. You know, if it it has this genius quality, if it's used that way. But, you know, the old term, like there's a fine line between genius and madness, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the, high, that's the idea of uh, uh, Uranus is that it can really play into extremes. And so the sun squaring that is having us look at where we've gone to great extremes in, in 
maybe that's part of the liberation that needs to take place because we're sitting like heavily invested on one end of something and the scale is just dropping down and there's just no equality or balance there. And that's where the people are going to get up and, and, and fight for that. Um, and so, I don't know, that's, I think, so we'll see some of that kind of extreme behavior start to be uh, exposed and looked at even more in some way, I think. Yeah, that Mars-Saturn, you know, that kind of feels to me like it could be something even as extreme as martial law. I mean, already shut down the government, right? Yes. What else, <laughs> what, what couldn't happen at this point? I, I do think we could expect something that extreme. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll cross our fingers. We'll take our own part in in the matter, you know, because everybody has a role to play in in life. As <laughs> you know, we're all uh, have to align with what we'd like to see in the world in order to help generate that. Um, but just a key piece to talk about that Mars conjunct Uranus that will eventually come down the line. Talk about timing, Simone. It's going to happen on February twelfth. Uh, and that just happens to be our first quarter moon in Taurus after the new moon. So, because we always push forward at first quarter uh, mm-hmm. in any lunar cycle, but I have a feeling that's when there's going to be a solid push taking place as as Mars conjuncts Uranus. Um, yeah, that's kind of where we're we're leading leading to. Um, it, it, I feel like the sun is really square uh, through the square this coming week is really shaking those things up, but that action is really going to be seeded in once we get to that point in mid-February. Because um, that's the thing with the eclipses, right? They take a while. They can. Do you think? Well, here's the other thing is, I took a look back um, and I saw that the we've actually had eclipses going on since, well, the... February 11th of 2017, we had a lunar eclipse at a later degree of Leo. And and that was just a couple of weeks after the inauguration, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had that major solar eclipse at late Leo, that total solar eclipse that everybody went and camped out in in Oregon to see. And uh, that was August 21st of 2017. And then we've had Aquarius eclipses too. We had one August 7th of 2017 at 15 Aquarius. We have had have uh you know this uh in February 15th of last year 2018 we had one and then we had one at July 27th of 2018 pretty darn near the one that's coming up. Uh, the lunar was at for Aquarius. Mm. That's why uh, I was thinking, because that was the last time we talked about uh, that we that I was on your show and we were talking about the Mars retrograde, which squared Uranus off and on. And I was trying to remember, you know, what like one, what world events were going on uh, in July or early August that might have correlated to this last lunar eclipse in Aquarius and we might have some, you know, rival or similar type energy happening now because this is the last eclipse in uh, Leo Aquarius for some time to come. The eclipses are going to shift into Cancer and Capricorn from here on out. 
Yeah, this is like that kind of dividing uh, line. I mean, we just had our first one, but we're the solar eclipse that just happened kind of is ushering in what is next to be experienced. And now we are at this wrapping up of all, pretty much that time period that you just gave with all those eclipses taking place since uh, 2017 in that area. And now that I think about it, Simone, as you bring up Mars retrograde, um, where the sun is squaring Uranus is the same degree that Mars stationed direct on. Oh, yeah. So there's kind of like a, there's an awareness that is now coming along with this, with where Mars had, you know, put its energy to then carry forward. Like, because we had a lot of time to like reprocess, not just collective stuff, but what we're doing with our own selves and our own energy and all that. And we, I love how we started out our talk, Simone, where we're like, we have all these things on our plate and we're trying to juggle these things. And, you know, and so this is actually a good example of where uh, now perhaps with that conscious awareness, we are being tested in what we can hold and what we can't and what our goals are now looking like um, based on what we already kind of knew with Mars going direct there. But now the sun's like, okay, now you really know. <laughs> so maybe that's a part of it too. And also because Mars Uranus of all the combinations really speaks to anger. It's like, how do we channel our righteous indignation or our anger even in our, at what's going on in our personal lives, not just anger at the world, but, you know, that, in fact, I went to a writing class last night, I was telling you earlier, was the first um, one of a series, and the teacher was talking about her frustration with Trump, and that she finally just decided, this too shall pass. And she no longer listens. She only listens to BBC News now. She doesn't listen to any uh, U.S. news. She just put it out of her head and she's no longer stressing about it. And she's just like, that's her motto. This too shall pass. You know, and and I've really been thinking about that since then. Is that really the best approach? Can I agree with that? Does that resonate for me? Because here we are coming into this period where we're getting stirred up. Yeah. Gonna, you know, people, whether or not you're already angry, people are going to be rising up. I think there's the Women's March is coming again this month sometime. I think it might even be that week. Is it that weekend of the uh, 20th? It might be. They're having, they had a big one last year here in San Diego. I know they're probably having another one in Washington, D.C., that time. January 19th. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right at that. How do we we deal with and channel and work with this, uh, this potentially very angry energy that's getting and rebellious energy that's getting stirred up? Do we just put it, push it aside, transcend it and say this too shall pass? Mm. We jump in, you know, and start marching in the streets and and really taking strong action to fight against things. I'm not saying either way is um, is better. It's just a question. I think that a lot of people are going to be facing over this next month or so while these Uranus transits are happening. 
Mm, I think that's a great point, Simone, because when you talk about like, she's like all things that all things, you know, must pass and kind of like, let me divert my, my eyes over here to get that more neutral uh, vantage point, you know, by listening to like BBC news, which I think that's, that's actually not a bad idea because the more that our media becomes kind of propagated with um, very opinionated you know, because we're, we're part of that. And so I think it's good to pull out like kind of what she's doing to kind of get that overall type of view of what's going on from another vantage point. But at the same time, the, just the very motto of this shall pass. Yeah, granted it will, but what's it passing into? And I think that that has a lot to do with what we're going to be experiencing with Uranus and Taurus and the idea of uh, how complacent can you be in, in life and within, you know, the surroundings and within our world and our planet and all that and where this is all going. I know um, you can, you can't help but think of Nazi Germany, you know, probably those people back in the mid to late thirties, when this was all heating up, they're like, Oh, this too shall pass. Nothing, you know, nothing dire is going to happen here. And if we just don't give energy to it, if we just go about our lives and look what happened not to blame people for, you know, not rising up and not taking action, but it's just, you know, you, you got to really look at the, what your personal role is, whether in your own life situations or, you know, uh, with the world in, or in your own community. Mm. Now, um, Oh, actually, well, Simone, I want to play off what you're saying there, your personal role, because that really plays into the sun and square Uranus and Aries and where we're at right now, because we've been working on our own character and our own personal role and where we're shaking things up for the seven years. And now it's kind of like, where are you pushing that forward? What is your role in this? Um, because it, 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 there's still personal standpoints and like Capricorn, the sun squaring from this collective, you know, sign energy where we're looking at what the whole, uh, I think that's a very good point. <laughs> what is your personal role in everything that we're encountering here? No pressure, of course, but pressure. <laughs> but come on, there's nothing but pressure, right? I know, I know. Having this eclipse anyway. <gasps> exactly. But we don't want to pressure ourselves to the point that we become ineffective, you know? Maybe your role is, is to write an impassioned letter to the editor, you know? Maybe, and who knows what your role is, but I think it's super important to just kind of go within to some degree and not just be all about action and trying to make things happen right now because it's, um, you know, I mean... The lunar eclipse, I personally have learned that when the moon is eclipsed and you and I, I think being cancers, this is especially true for us and anybody with a lot of cancer in their chart or rising, um, we need to really chill. I, I had a, a bad experience once I was in Sedona camping under a lunar eclipse and oh, that energy just slayed me. I was just like lying there. I couldn't hike. I couldn't do anything. And sometimes if you're especially, you know, affected by the moon, when your planet gets eclipsed, you need to just, you know, it might not be the best time in the world to be out marching in the streets. If 
if your chart is getting hit strongly by zero degrees Leo Aquarius, for instance, or if you have a lot of cancer planets in your chart. Yeah, no, I, I'm, that's a good, <laughs> it's a good way to look at it because it, it's true. Like these are essentially, you know, the ancients deemed eclipses as malefic energy. Like this, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, you don't want to even like look into the eclipse because then you invite it into your world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we talk about things like the, the women's march taking place, you know, it's we're talking about lunar and women together. Um, it's probably going to be more active than it's ever been really that March, a particular March. And yes, it can bring great awareness and we're all co- bringing together as a collective, but there can be things that happen within that. Um, you know, especially when big groups of people get together, there's mob, mob mentality. Yes, exactly. Well, and also with the, the being cancers, cause Yes, the moon is very important for us Cancerian people, uh, sun and rising particularly. Um, but I think it also has to do with like moon phase a bit because I, because I was born during a full moon, well, granted it was an eclipse, but because I was born during a full moon, I think that I'm just, I'm personally more adept at dealing with the energies of that kind of like, uh, you know, um, where when I think of you, Simone, you have that balsamic moon where it's a little less like, what are you... <laughs> So maybe yeah, that's part of that, it. that is such a good point. Absolutely. If you are more comfortable with the full moon energies, then, you know, I mean, what has your experience been of lunar eclipses? Has it been okay? Yeah, I think I've had uh, just eclipses and just full moons in general. I think I feel pretty good during them. But you know, what's ironic here is kind of the flip side is when we get down to the quiet energy, like your balsamic moon, you know, when we're in these like quieter, like tone it down, you know, get introspective, you know, don't go out and do, do, do. That's actually harder for me, you know? And so that speaks to the idea of, of phases and how we interact with them based on our personal phase. But yeah. Yeah. Astrology is just so complex, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> we could so, talk about it at all angles for days. Yeah, I'm getting just to segue for a moment. I know that you've been into astrology for a long time, but um, it's relatively new for me. And so I'm taking, I'm really excited about the um, uh, School of Traditional Astrology Horary course, intensive course that starts in February and lasts for two months. So anybody listening that is uh, interested in learning horary from the past, the course is written by Deborah Holding. And our, our buddy Wade Caves is one of the teachers. Mm-hmm. Therefore different facilitator teachers for it. It's an online course. And I just so look forward to integrating the traditional approach and to really being able to master horary, which I never have been felt like I had a handle on it at all. I want to have that specificity that horary can give you that you really can't get in any other way. Mm, yes, I'm excited for you to take that class because I mean, hopefully you'll tell me some of the things that you learn. <laughs> um, and for those of you who don't know, you're like, what's she talking about? What's horary? Well, horary charts are a little bit different than the natal charts or, you know, uh, it's more about looking at a moment in time and using that as kind of a divinatory tool to answer some sort of question. Um, and it's a unique form of astrology. It's one of the oldest forms of astrology. Uh, and it's 
absolutely fascinating. And I don't use it enough personally uh, because I'm like, Simone, I'm like, I know, mm, but can I really get the, what I need out of that? So I'm, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say once you go through this course. Yeah. Yeah. And Jaylee Lehman, I think she's part of it yeah. too, which I love she's her. certainly the medical astrologer. Yes. She's quite the master as well. So I, I feel like, wow, I get to sit at the feet of these masters. Of course, Wade, Wade's younger, but he <laughs> and he knows a lot. He, he just, you know, and, and this is it's coming from, it's based in London where he's living now. And, you know, that school of astrology uh, is, I'm just very thrilled to be learning from them. Because when I was starting out in the 80s, nothing like that existed. There were no schools of astrology. Yeah. Right? And, and certainly there was no real awareness of traditional astrology, meaning Hellenistic or even medieval astrology. Um, and it wasn't until Project Hindsight in the 1990s when Rob Hand and all those people actually translated the, a bunch of texts that had never been translated from that period and then started working with the material. And now uh, Demetra George has a new book out, which I am anxious to get on. <laughs> Me too. I had just ordered. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. yeah. On, my, on my list. And it's suddenly, it's kind of ironic. It's the hot new thing. Um, and yet it's the most ancient thing in astrology. And maybe yeah. it relates to this whole Capricorn uh, mega energy that's going on right now too. I think that's a wonderful point. Yes, because Capricorn, you know, and, and Cancer like if we're having the nodes move to this position, they're both uh, kind of situated in the past, you know, these treasures yeah. from the past. And I think that's a wonderful way of looking at it. And really, it's an exciting time to be an astrologer. Uh, because like you said, in your earlier practice, you just didn't have these tools at your disposal. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like, it's, it's such a blessing because it's almost like a second coming or like a revival for your own practice within, you know, makes it, it exciting. Is, it's, the, it's actually the first time I've been really excited about astrology <laughs> in a long time about learning something new. Because, you know, when you've been doing something for as long as I have, it's, you know, new stuff that really turns you on doesn't come along very often. And the more at our group at SDAS, we've been having a lot more traditional astrologers come and speak. And it's just every time I hear them, I think, oh, you know, these ancient folks, they really knew what was up. <laughs> yes. But listen to this. Uh, one thing that I noted now, I know we're talking about uh, still about January, but I think it's worth noting, speaking about reviving the past, that both Pluto and Saturn will be crossing the south node. And then Pluto makes a one-time pass. Mm -hmm. Saturn will come back to the, node, the south node July 4th and September 27th. So Saturn pretty much will be there most of the year. but. The fact of all this Capricorn energy coming together, we're, we're unearthing the best of the past, but we're also purging the past. 
one of the things you had asked, uh, and I may be jumping ahead here. I don't know how we're doing on time. <laughs> but, um, but one of one thing I think is so funny is I don't know if you have. I haven't had a chance to actually watch it yet. But Marie Kondo has a show now. You know who Marie Kondo mm-hmm. is? The tidying up lady. Oh, has feng shui, and it's all about cleaning your house and everything has a little home, a little place. And I, I've read some of her stuff and I went and got a, a, like a little home for my gum. All my gum goes in this little package now and it did feel good. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I get this. But apparently um, from the posts I'm seeing on Facebook from my friends, they're going crazy over this show because I guess in person, she is even more persuasive and, and kind of magical about the power of purging and cleansing and tidying up and ordering your, ordering your home. And so I, I was thinking that that would, of, of anything that you might want to do this year in general, but this month under this eclipse energy Start tidying up your home. Start purging stuff and and watch. It's on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, watch Marie Kondo. Apparently, she's really inspiring people. <laughs> I am laughing inside, Simone, because that is like my number one priority on my list right now is exactly that, is to, to tidy up my home and to purge all these things that I'm holding on to that I just, you know, very Cancerian thing. We like to collect little things, little trinkets from our past. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that's so funny because I'm right on, I'm right on board with you there, Simone. And you know, what's funny about, I need to watch your show because it keeps popping up in Netflix. They always give you the pay attention yeah. to this new thing. Yeah. And I guess there's been a lot of, uh, in the astrological chats online, people are like, Oh, how much Virgo does she have? You know? Yeah. Um, but I guess it, people have been looking up her chart and it turns out she doesn't have any Virgo. She has uh, a lot of Libra. So I thought that was interesting, like the beautifying, like uh, the surroundings um, and how therapeutic actually that can be too. So it's not even so much about the purging. It is. That's like, that's part of the process, but really the end result is all about this more beautified and simplistic and, you know, visually Um, pleasing. Your your chi is flowing, which is, all that's what feng shui is about, right? Yeah, well, it's balance, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But I just find it interesting, and and astrology is always so appropriate that things. I mean, yes, her books were big sellers and and continue to be, but that her show would hit the airwaves or at least hit Netflix um, at the first of the year. Right, and maybe they planned it that way. I <laughs> probably did. <laughs> because people do tend to want to purge the old in order to move into the new at the first of the year. But it's just of all the years with this, you know, with a, an eclipse in, in Capricorn conjunct Saturn the first week of the new year. I mean, it's just... You can't make this stuff up, right? Yeah, no, you can't. It was perfect timing. And that's probably why it's here because we, (laughs) as mortals tend to forget this divine timing, even though we're talking about it basically uh, every week. Um, But I love that suggestion with the kind of cleaning up the home and 
putting that energy into kind of beautifying the space, but also that purifying because with all the plutonium energy around, uh, you know, that's, that's part of it. But I also think because we're having this lunar eclipse at zero degrees Leo, because it's kind of, you know, the Leo, Leo to me really aligns with that, that heart center. Um, and maybe to play into kind of what you're saying, Simone, by weeding out those things, um, for this eclipse in particular, it's, it's really about connecting with our heart uh, for this like kind of last like hurrah of like, all right, we're making some decisions here. Things are changing. Where's my heart now? Like now that everything has gone whatever way it has and I'm cleaning out my life in many ways because I think you're absolutely right about that. And that's where we should be. That's where I am. Now I'm putting my heart into it. So maybe my Cancerian self, as I'm holding this trinket from the past, I'm like, is my heart still in this? Does my heart still love this enough to, to schlep it around with me anywhere I go? If yeah. not, then it's time to go. And I think that can kind of be that heart meter. If we just place things, especially emotionally connected things into that space, then maybe we can make those decisions that might be a little bit hard in, in life. Um, and so, yes. So I think my tip there is definitely about that kind of heart work or asking your heart as we go through this. Um, you know, Leo also is in feng shui connected to the creativity and children area of your house, which is when you walk in the front door, it's pretty much on the right side, the middle of the house, which is kind of hard to say in words, but you can... Google the Bagua map if you want, and you'll get a visual of it. And that, so that is a good area if you want a particular place to start um, tidying up or, you know, making something beautiful or feeling more connected. I would recommend working with that part of your house. And one of the things that is good to have there is original art. And that from art that your children has made have made to something you know you're great at painted or and I do a lot of collage and so that wall of my house is completely full of some people call them treasure maps you know but for me they're they're more of an artistic uh, thing to do at either the new moons or the full moons and so that's another thing that you could do if you wanted to around this coming full moon is to make a a vision board for 2019. I make them every month. So, you know, it would be more about like just February perhaps coming up. Um, You could do that too if you feel overwhelmed by the whole year. But the thing about collage that I love is it's a co-creative process with spirit or with your subconscious mind. And you just allow yourself to choose images. I keep, you know, file folders full of images. Or you can go online and find images and print them out. Or maybe you already have some. And just allow them to place themselves on the page in a way that just looks, you know, it it invokes something in your heart. So that would be another... um, you know, suggestion for something to do if you haven't already made a vision board for your new year. I've been putting that off myself. Uh, I keep wanting to make one is like in the back of my mind. And I'm, I love how you say that, Simone, because I'm literally sitting in this this section of my house, the the 
creativity and, and child, I'm sitting in it right now as I talk oh to my you. Um, and I'm looking around. It's so funny because I have this picture of four owls that have been on this wall for a very long time. And I look at it and I, you know, I like the picture, but part of me is like, that just needs to change. And, and I've thought about this so many times. So maybe this is like my own little clue to be like, okay, let's put something new that really represents myself or something that I've created in that space. Because I've been looking at it. I know it needs to change for so long now. And it's really part of my workspace. It's like, if I'm not looking at my computer, the only other place to look is at that <laughs> picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps that's my own little my own little thing that I'm going to do. So thank you for that suggestion. Sure. It's time. It's time. Um, so, well, speaking of time, well, we're probably running out of time. Uh, although I do want to say one quick thing, because I want to get your opinion on this, because uh, our, our good dear friend, uh, April Elliott Kent, who was on a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the astrology of 2019, and she's uh, definitely an eclipse ex- expert. Um, and she was saying how eclipses always have to do in some way, shape, or form with relationships. And I would assume that would be quite pertinent for uh, a lunar eclipse when, you know, the sun and the moon are uh, opposite ends. But now that I'm like looking at it, I'm looking at Venus square Neptune, Mercury conjunct Pluto, sun square Uranus, you know, I I think that, what do you think about like relationship pieces? I feel like something shaky there if it's not like solid. Shaky is definitely the word. I would just say whatever's going on in relationships, whether you're connecting with somebody new or having a falling out with somebody that's in your life already or questioning something, don't make any big decisions around that eclipse. You know, everything is up in the air. There might be insights and important um, awareness. All full moons will bring that. But don't act on anything at that point because it's, you know, it's necessary input that's coming through, but the combination of energies is just not conducive to clarity that you want to actually take, uh, you know, move forward on. And of course, after that, we'll go into the waning moon for two weeks, which is not really a time to start new things anyway. So you might want to take that period to kind of integrate Mm. the insights and the experiences that you've had, not just at the lunar eclipse, but the whole eclipse period from the 5th through the 21st. Mm, I think that's a solid piece of advice because you could easily look at these transits and being like, oh yeah, this definitely looks like this could could be the end. Um, But the key piece to what you're saying, and I think that we should all take with us here, is that clarity is not necessarily here in this moment. Yeah, we're getting clues. Some intuitions are coming in. We're sensing some things. Uh, but just especially with that Neptunian influence, it, it just might not be completely clear. And maybe that's where Mars conjunct Uranus at the first quarter moon of next month. That's when all these types of things were like, okay, now we understand. Now it's time to take action. Now, if I need to liberate from anything in my life, and if that happens to be a relationship, because uh, a lot of us are really concerned with relationships, you know, in life, um, well, that might be the time. Plus, um, we have the new moon on the 4th of February and the lunar new year, which is right around uh, that day or the next day as well. And we're shifting, I've been, I've been doing research on the Earth egg 
which is the energy we're coming into. So we're shifting out of the dog and the dog has been, you know, a little more frenetic and active and the, the earth pig, as opposed to the boar, which is kind of a more extreme or young version of, of the pig. It's the same animal, but the um, earth pig, the domesticated pig is actually a much more earthy, calm, decisive, or not decisive, but just, um, you know, you, if you have big decisions to make, I think you would be doing well to wait until sometime after that uh, February 4th new moon, which again is also the Chinese New Year's. Mm, yeah, so we're, we're, we've come to uh, the conclusion that a lot of things in early to mid-February are qu- kind of getting us there. So let's kind of hold space for, for that time to come. Um, I like it. All right, Simone. Well, I think we've talked about all types of things today (laughs) Uh, with our eclipses and our crazy energies going on this week. Um, So we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, But before we go here, uh, let people know where you can be found, Simone, and what you got going on. Well, I'm at um, astroalchemy.com on the web. And then my Patreon show is patreon.com backslash Simone Butler. Is it back, backslash or forward slash? I never... Ba- backslash. Backslash. And right now, I'm not actually, other than speaking at SDAS this weekend with everybody on the board, um, I am not doing any talks. I have pretty much cleared my schedule, except for, of course, doing readings. Um, because of this horary course that is going to be very intensive. It's twice a week, lots of homework. So I'm going to be putting all my attention and energy into that in February, February through April. So I don't have any actual events to be announcing. But, you know, go to my Patreon show and, and check it out, my page, and because that is also an area where I'm putting a lot of energy into these days. Yes. And I will, of course, have a link to Simone Says on my blog page. And I'll also link to uh, Moon Power and some of the books that you have out too, because we don't want to forget our works that we have already done. Now is the time actually to be like, (laughs) uh, have those help support you in the process. So I'll have a link to those as well. so awesome. I'm so looking forward to that course and I hope that you share. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'm going, I'm not even part of it, but I'm like, Simone is, I can ask her. Um, yeah. so that's exciting. All right. So now where can you find me if you want to find these links that to get to Simone, <laughs> all these things? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the same places, uh, which Simone is on there as well. I, I'm not sure if you said Instagram and Facebook, but- oh, um, right the links to that. It's almost like we take that for granted. It's just like so ingrained in our, yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, So I'm over there at Energetic Principles. And actually I just, so I just added a new thing to my page. Uh, I created Mel's tip jar Um, because I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, I do have my Patreon, which I have my uh, tarot subscription and the moon horoscopes and things like that. But not everyone is into monthly subscriptions 
per se. And if you are just a fan of the podcast or my blog posts or what have you, and you want to contribute in a one-time fashion at whatever denomination, I now have an option to do that. And you can find that on my front page. It says tip jar. And you literally go to that, click the tip jar, and it takes you right to like a PayPal page. Uh, and I welcome anything, really. <laughs> uh, so that's exciting. I put that up there now. So you can check that out at energeticprinciples.com too. Uh, and if you like what you heard here today, you know, share it with a friend, get the word out there, leave a nice review on iTunes. All those things help uh, for myself and my guests to be better seen for the efforts that we are putting out there. So, all right, Simone. Well, thank you for joining me on this crazy week we have ahead of us. I really yeah. appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun as always. Perfect. Uh, so until next time we meet, which I'm sure will happen, uh, yeah. it'll be a good time. So all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.